Hello, I'm Claire Nazir. Welcome to Cultivating Conversations, a podcast series looking at the latest agricultural advances brought to you by Chaseman Global. I spent all of my career working in the field of weather, climate and environmental science, writing books, presenting network TV documentaries, reporting on extreme weather and producing science podcasts on climate change and impacts. It's a mammoth conversation that needs to be aired. And like many, I'm thirsty for solutions that map towards a better future for all. That's why it's great to be teaming up with Chaseman Global on this set of shows. They champion talent in agricultural technology across the world. They're not daunted by the big questions or discussions that affect the agricultural industry right now. And to be honest, there's a lot to talk about. This emerging sector is brimming with talent and vision. It's a diverse community of investors, technical innovators, homegrown startups and established organisations who are embracing cleaner, more efficient, more sustainable outcomes. We're all in the business for a better future. As the global population continues to rise, so too the demand for food. It's estimated that by 2050, the global population will have reached 9.3 billion. That's a lot of mouths to feed. So how can ag tech help food and farming meet these growing environmental challenges? In the first of this new podcast series, we explore the rise and rise of alternative protein, starting with the quest for the ultimate plant-based chicken breast. There's a real excitement right now around the next best thing in plant-based meatless meats. We're talking here the whole cut chicken. Until recently, chicken substitutes were the poor man's meat-free choice, always being trumped by perhaps the tastier vegan beef or pork. But a combination of things have primed the market. There's been incredible advances in cell and fermentation-based technology, which in turn have driven down costs and production time. This in part has led to a surge in plant-based startups. Also, supply chain issues in poultry during COVID has perhaps rerouted demand to chicken alternatives. Some may now suggest plant-based chicken has found its wings. But does it hit the mark on meaty taste and texture? And another big question, how do these smaller businesses plan to scale up to meet future demand? Today, we get the insider's perspective from one particular startup. Umiami have recently been making waves in the world of meatless chicken. A recent article in the Vegan Business magazine showcased their greatest achievement to date, the whole cut chicken breast. My name is Martin Hapfast. I'm a co-founder and head of sales at Umiami, a French tech company. Tell me a little bit of your background. How did you get into food tech? I don't have actually a food science background. I have a sales background. So I went to a business school in France called HSC. And after that, I had various sales experiences. What happened uh, when I was a student is that I did those tests that everyone can do online to understand, you know, your environmental footprint. And I realized two things. First thing is that I was polluting back then three times as much as what the planet could actually absorb for one person like me. The second thing I realized was that, well, a third of you know, my CO2 footprint was due to meat consumption, another third to me taking the plane, and 
a third was basically everything else. So I thought, well, you're definitely not very responsible, but at least it's very clear what you can do to have a better footprint. And I decided to quit eating meat, quit eating fish. I also quit taking the plane, at least uh, as a tourist. And what happened back then is that I was working for one of the biggest polluters of this planet, actually, a huge company, which has a very negative impact on the environment. And it just didn't make any sense to me because I was, you know, I was vegetarian. I stopped taking the plane, but here I was every day going to work and contributing to something that wasn't positive, at least from an environmental perspective. So I decided to quit. And instead of, you know, reapplying to another company, which would probably have had the same impact, I decided to create a company which would have a much better impact and specifically a much better environmental impact. And since I was vegetarian, it made a lot of sense to me to create something that would allow people to reduce their meat consumption. And this company is Umiyami. So what were your first products that you created? At first, you know, when we came into this space, we... Our first initial idea was to create a plant-based company like there are many others, right? Selling burger patties, maybe sausages, small chicken chunks. But actually, we soon uh, came to realize that many companies are actually offering that. And actually, there is one thing that no one is offering currently is bowl cuts. And no one is offering them. And that's actually really, really weird when you think of it, because... Those represent, those big, large, unprocessed pieces, they represent more than half of the meat that we actually consume in the Western world, right? And we were like, well, how come? How can it be possible that more than half of the meat that we consume are those large, unprocessed pieces, but no one actually ever managed to create those, right? Those are plant-based alternative to those, right? So instead of offering those, those standard, you know, burger patties, we thought, well, we're just going to think out of the box, and we're going to you know, offer something that people would actually want to eat. And it happens to be those larger pieces. And those are actually which, those on which we, we focus first on, uh, starting with whole chicken breast, which really mimics that texture and the, that fibrous structure of a chicken breast. Tell me about your timeline from when you had the inception of this idea to where you are now. So we, we first had the idea, I guess, two years ago. Back then, I was doing a second master's degree. And, you know, my co-founder and I, we really were not food scientists. I mean, he was an engineer. I had more of a sales background. So we created a prototype. Back then, it was a chicken nugget. And it wasn't, you know, fantastic, but it was good enough to convince people that there was something, you know, to... there was we needed to dig deeper into, you know, this technology and to what we've created. Can you tell me about the chicken nuggets and what it was made of, how you created that, your prototype? It was actually fairly easy. We took very simple ingredients, you know, things like water, soy protein, some, you know, natural flavors, yeasts, and we basically texturized it using our process. And that allowed us to create that plant-based chicken nugget. And it had, you know, it was unique in that way that it was extremely clean label. So typically, if you look at plant-based products, you'll have plenty of gums, stabilizers, methylcellulose, sexuring agents. And we had none of those, right? Only seven ingredients. Now, to give you some data here, the average in the UK is 25. 
and some go even go above 50 ingredients. And it was even um, even from a nutritional point of view, it was very good because it was Nutri-Score A, which for those who are not in the food industry is a, a score uh, that basically scores on whether or not a, a product is good nutritionally speaking. So that was an amazing platform to start. And we'll discuss later about that whole issue of plant-based meatless meats. And when is it defined as processed, which is an interesting topic because there's almost a dark cloud that hangs over processed food in Britain, I'm sure. It's the same in France uh, and and elsewhere. So two years ago, you created this prototype. What was lacking in it then that you wanted to push forward into something which was more of a whole cut, I presume? What was lacking is that it, it's great to have a clean product. However, it was still a plant-based nugget, and that already exists, right? And and the entire idea was to create something that's much more complex texture-wise, and typically something that has you know those long fibers that that really complex fiber structure and texture. As I mentioned, we were not food scientists, so of course we went and looked for a third co-founder who is a food scientist who had quite some experience in food science and went developed products, went developed technological platforms. We found one. And then we went even further by you know raising funds to hire an entire team. And today it's a it's an entire team of food scientists uh, that is working on that project. So let's fast forward to the present day and I saw on LinkedIn just the other day the before and after picture, really, of this is what it looks like or maybe products similar, and this is what we have created. And you've created a whole-cut chicken fillet, I presume it is. Tell me, first of all, how does it taste? Well, actually, it's, you know, you'd be pretty surprised, right? So, you know, when you look at taste, it's actually several things, right? It's texture, it's flavour, but it's actually also what it looks like because that actually has an influence on your perception when you actually eat it right. And so visually, it's actually almost impossible to make a difference between our product and a animal chicken breast. Texture-wise, we're also actually very, very close because you have all those long fibers which are nicely aligned and which really mimic uh, the texture of meat. And now flavor-wise, we've worked with a very well-known uh, flavor house which has agreed to develop tailor-made products, tailor-made flavors. So we basically developed with them a very nice flavor signature that really is basically chicken, right? You, you couldn't even make the difference. So all in all, when you take all that together, if you ask me what it tastes like, well, it just tastes like a chicken breast. That's it, basically. It's as simple as that. That sounds amazing and I can't wait to taste it. Uh, before we learn more about where it's going next with your chicken breast, could you maybe, in a nutshell, in the simplest terms for people like myself, explain how you created the taste and the texture and the look and everything that makes your chicken breast taste like a chicken breast? Well, it's actually fairly easy. I mean, we start with water, proteins, and you know some additional ingredients depending on what you're trying to achieve. So, of course, salt natural flavors, right, to give that, you know, that, that chicken flavor, uh, some, so, some sort of fat, right, so it can be oil, it can be another type of fat. And what we do is that we mix all that together and then we apply uh, mechanical forces on this water and, and that protein so as to create the long fibers of meat, right? 
So in the end, it's a pretty natural process, right? We're not using you know, any chemical reactions uh, of some sort, some dark, obscure um, magic. It's really about applying mechanical forces in an intelligent way on proteins so as to have them behave in a way that replicates the texture of meat. Does it need to be refrigerated to the same level as meat and does it last longer? How long does it last? Because I'm just thinking about your products, say, going into, say, India, where refrigeration in some places is a a real issue. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, our products, they um, intend to be sold as fresh, right? And, you know, the good thing about plant-based meat in general is that since you actually master how it's made, you can actually tweak it so as to get the kind of product that you would want. So, for instance, get a longer uh, shelf life. And that's not as easy with meat, animal meat. Now, on your question, you know, regarding India, definitely, you know, we are exploring many options. And, you know, during our discussion, one of them was to get a shelf-stable product. So today there are techniques to actually create products that, don't need to be refrigerated and without using any additional additives, right? And those kind of ways we are currently exploring. How about the nutritional profile um, of of your um, plant-based chicken to a normal piece of chicken in terms of amino acids and and all those sort of essential minerals, etc.? Compared to animal meat, you can, you know, tweak it, you can change it, you can add whatever you want to it, right? And in the end, you can get a product that's actually better for your health because you have designed it, because you designed it to be better for your health. Why haven't other companies done this? There's more production of chicken and poultry than beef. Is that correct? Am I correct there? Well, you know, definitely chicken is a, it's a huge market. And the reason why no one has created it until now, I believe, it's simply because our industry is still quite young and there is still, you know, so much to discover, so much to invent, right? I could basically compare this to what um, the internet looked like at the end of the 90s, right? There was so much to invent just because it was brand new. And today that's exactly what's happening and it's what making this so exciting is that everything needs to be invented. Everything needs to be, you know, created and everything is possible, right? And we just need to define that together, both the industry and the consumers. And it's extremely exciting. Let's talk about your chicken breast. Um, you say there, there's a, a very small number of ingredients, which is fantastic. Yeah. And we discussed earlier about that whole issue about processed food. Well, you know, first of all, I think um, the whole discussion about, you know, processed foods, I mean, it's legit. However, you know, one should not forget that eating too much meat is unhealthy. You know, I live in France. On average, in France, uh, people eat more than three times what the World Health Organization recommends. Uh, They eat, on average, 1.6 kilograms of meat a week. The World Health Organization recommends 500 grams, right? And in the end, people just totally underestimate the impact that has on our health. Here, again in France, Cardiovascular diseases, which are often caused by too high cholesterol levels, are, you know, the number one reason why people die at all, right? So definitely there is a topic around processed foods. But in the end, the question is, 
is it already better than meat? And surely the answer is yes. Now, when we look at our technology specifically, it's even better than what exists out there already because, as I mentioned, we're not using all those additives, all this methyl cellulose, which you often find in comparable products and so on and so forth. Okay, before we talk about market share and scalability, um, let's discuss, you talk about the chicken tastes like a chicken. In the near future, is there scope to create products which perhaps don't taste like anything you've ever tasted before because it's but it's still tantalizing it's still very delicious is that the way forward rather than trying to mimic something which is out there creating something which is just fresh for the taste buds well why not why not actually um some companies are actually working on that you know the big question there is uh, will the consumer actually buy it and will he keep buying it right you know, depending on the country you're in or depending on other factors, consumers, they have more or less neophobia, meaning that they actually enjoy discovering new products or they don't. And that's the whole question, right? If you create something that's brand new, that doesn't taste like meat, that's just totally different, will people actually buy it and keep buying it? Now, today, what we've noticed is that consumers, they tend to want to find that look and feel and taste that they like. They want to find it in meat substitutes, right? So they want to have the same taste and texture and look as meat because they're kind of addicted to meat, right? And I understand them. It's just a, it just, it just tastes good, right? But with time, who knows what's gonna happen? Still to come. Meat is available almost everywhere and at a quite low price as well. So we're competing against that. It's one of the main challenges of our industry. Things are moving so fast Never in the food industry have things moved as fast as they currently are moving in the plant-based meat sector. Our strategy exactly consists in finding those brands, partnering with them and saying, well, you know what, let's do that together, right? We focus on technology, you focus on marketing and together we're going to have that impact. One key ingredient that is increasingly used in plant-based meat is pea protein. From food tech companies like Beyond Meats that supply McDonald's to big players such as Tyson and Nestle, peas are becoming the fastest growing category of crop in food companies. Since 2014, pea protein products have risen by over 500%. This translates to 300,000 tonnes produced in 2020, with a projected figure of close to 500,000 by 2025. So why is this crop so desirable? On the one hand, it's all about its nutritional value. There are nine essential amino acids that the human body needs but cannot create. Animal proteins, such as meat, eggs and milk, are complete proteins, meaning they contain all nine. On the contrary, plant protein sources, such as beans, lentils and nuts, are considered to be incomplete, lacking one or more essential amino acid. Cue the pea. It is a powerhouse when it comes to amino acids containing all nine, making it a complete protein. And there's more. From a sustainability standpoint, peas do everything wheat, corn and soy don't. Their cultivation requires less water. Less nitrogen fertilizers are needed because they take nitrogen gas from the air and store it in their roots. And that makes them an ideal candidate for crop rotation. Worried about GMO peas? They don't exist outside the lab. Want to avoid allergens? You're probably good there too. Allergies are rare. Another reason why peas are leaving soy behind. 
Yet, this hardy crop, like most others, is still vulnerable to extreme weather. The severe drought in Canada during 2021 has led to soaring crop prices as pea availability has been challenged. In fact, prices of peas have more than doubled. Europe has also suffered low yields, due this time to torrential rains and flood damage. And with future climate change impacts predicted to bring a higher frequency of extremes, such as heat waves and storms, availability may continue to be a real issue and a stumbling block for this market, especially as more startups look towards scalability and mass production. Let's now head back to our conversation with Martin Habfast. So the next thing is, Martin, when does this product go to market? And then from then, how do you accommodate for the consumer needs? The key thing that is about current agricultural um, produce is that they, they do it so well. Mass production means there's always meat on the shelves. It's a good point, right? We're Here we're competing in the end with an industry who's existed for such a long time and everything, you know, the entire supply chain is organized in such a way that, as you mentioned, meat is available almost everywhere and at a quite low price as well. So we're competing against that. And definitely it's one of the main challenges of our industry, which is to provide those substitutes, you know, everywhere and at an adequate price as well. Now, regarding Unyami, uh, we're currently scaling that technology. We're actually in the, in the process of opening up our first factory and we expect to have those products launched in Q2 of 2022. So it's actually fairly soon. And it's just really the time you need to build that factory. Do you think you could get caught in similar traps to, say, current production with, say, monoculture, uh, using big firms to provide you with your raw materials to create your chicken breasts? I mean, there's all these things which come with scaling up, I presume, which means that we are where we are now in the future, because if there's a huge demand, then you're having to actually scale up in such a way that you're utilising one particular crop massively. Well, that's true. You know, if, if, if you want to have the same quality throughout your, you know, your entire production, uh, then you're going to use one crop. But in our case, it's actually quite different, right? Because... We're in B2B business. We work with different companies and, you know, they don't have, all have the same expectations and that results in us using different crops, right? Because different crops result in different end products. And in the end, you know, we can use quite a variety of crops depending on what the, our customer wants. And, and this also results for the consumer in, you know, so many different products. And, and that's what makes it exciting. From my point of view, um, eating something which was a startup and has become a successful company is about buying local in a way. Definitely. And, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why anyone should want to create a startup, right? Is to have that positive impact and to reimagine the way people do a certain specific thing. And, you know, in our case, it's about how people actually consume foods and the kind of impact that they have through what they eat. And, you know, typically you mentioned uh, sourcing, right? We have the chance here in France to be in a country which produces already a, quite a, a huge variety of different crops. And you can find pretty much any kind of crop here in France. Do you feel like you've found your, your passion? You, you know, are you excited about 2022 now? Things are opening up again. Things are moving so fast. Never in the food industry 
have things moved as fast as they currently are moving in the plant-based meat sector. So things are extremely exciting. Everyone wants to break things, wants to move fast, wants to have that, that huge impact. And it's extremely exciting. And even from a scientific point of view, you know, in the end, what we're trying to do here, it, it comes down to solving scientific problems. And that is very stimulating and, and exciting. Let me just go back to the texture thing again, because I find it fascinating how you can create these sorts of strings of plant-based texture, which taste and feel like meat in your mouth. Was there a lot of trial and error trying to get that right? How did you create that? I mean, I, I mean, you I just imagine how many times we tried. It, 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 it's such a long process and it's never ending too, right? I mean, I cannot imagine that one day we'll stop. You, you mentioned trial and error. Well, actually, you know, our R&D team, trial and error, that's like what they do on, an, on a daily basis. And they have all those complex equipment, which allows them to analyze not only by trying what they actually, you know, produce, but really to have, you know, to measure the texture, you know, to measure uh, what you've obtained. And, and, you know, typically, if tomorrow I walk into the lab, I could expect to have maybe five or 10 different samples that were produced by playing on different variables. And so when you've tasted that, it was like, oh, that's the taste. Exactly. And, and you know, the funny thing is, it's not just about taste. As I said, you know, taste comes down to so many different things. And sometimes you're just trying to improve one of them, right? So typically it could be the direction of fibers and suddenly you get that right. Or it could be about, you know, the fat that you use and whether or not that fat content actually mimics the fat of chicken pretty well. And you can, you know, do those trial and errors until you come to the point where you say, we got it. And then you're proud of yourself. What do you think your next product will be? Do you think you'll attempt to do the same thing with, say, pork or, I don't know, venison? Well, you know, it all depends where we can have the most impact, right? In the end, you know, that's what the company is about. It's about having the most impact, whether it be on the environment, you know, the best impact, whether it be on the environment, on, you know, health, people's health, or on animals and animal welfare. So depending on the kind of substitutes that are already on the market and whether or not there's a demand that's satisfied and depending on, you know, the kind of impact that we can actually have, we decide what kind of product it will be. But the good thing is that our technology, it's really a technological platform. We can master, you know, both the thickness of the product, the direction of the fibers, the juiciness, the fat content, the succulency, um, and the flavors, of course. And in the end, when you combine all of, all of those variables, you can really get a very wide range of products. So it's really about us deciding where is it that we really want to have an impact next. Where do you visualize or where do you see your product going? In the end, you know, the only thing that really matters is that the product is everywhere. <laughs> because that's the only way that we can actually have an impact, right? If you produce three chicken breasts, well, that's nice, right? But you've wasted your time. And environmentally speaking, you've done almost nothing. So it, it only matters if your aim is to have the product absolutely everywhere. Now, there are already around the world quite a few brands which are very strong, well-established, and which could help us have that huge impact. And our strategy exactly consists in finding those brands 
partnering with them and saying, well, you know what, let's do that together, right? We focus on technology, you focus on marketing, and together we're going to have that impact. Let's talk about cost per unit, yeah. uh, where you've come from and where and what your projections are. I mean, definitely with time, everyone will need to be competitive compared to chicken, right? Meat in itself is already quite expensive. You know, many people all around the world cannot afford to eat meat. So as fast as possible, it is needed to match that price, if not to be cheaper, right? The day it is cheaper, the day plant-based meat alternatives are cheaper, there will be no reason, no single reason to actually eat animal meat ever again, because it will be better for you, will be better for the environment, will be better for animals, will be maybe better in taste, and it will be cheaper. Where do you sit with your product and the techniques to create it? Is it something that you would like to share eventually with other companies so that there, there is more of that product um, on, on the shelves? Well, I mean, definitely we already have that collaborative way of thinking, right? Because we, we're not just keeping that product to ourselves. We're already partnering with companies all around the world, actually, uh, throughout Europe, but also in North America. We are having ongoing discussions in Asia. I just had actually uh, two hours ago a call with a company in India, for instance. And we're actually creating all these partnerships around the world to have this massive impact and to have the product everywhere. So definitely it's not, you know, it's not a product that we're just going to keep to ourselves, you know, just here in France. It's something that throughout other brands, we're going to roll out everywhere. Where do you think current agricultural produce sits within the, this new sector of alternative protein? You know, I know that, for instance, Tyson Foods has invested in Beyond Meat, for instance, right? And those kind of examples, you already have it uh, everywhere in the world. And sometimes, you know, we, we already had discussions with those meat producers, and sometimes they want that shift to happen because they know it's the good thing to do. And it's, you know, it's about leaving a better world to our children. Sometimes they, they don't want the shift to happen, but they're still, you know, exploring it because they're scared of it. And sometimes they're very reluctant, right? And I think that's a mistake. You know, when you look at, at meat consumption in, in our Western world, you see that it's definitely decreasing. You know, it's now or never. Uh, they're... We're still at the very beginning of something that's going to be big. They should invest in it right now. And if they don't, well, you know, they're going to miss on something. Can I just ask you, Martin, the cell-based whole cuts, you you talk about your chicken as a a whole cut. And then there's this other technique, which is far more expensive at the moment and, and quite exclusive to just a few companies. And that's the 3D printing cell based whole cut. It's a completely different way of producing a, a similar end product. It is very different, right? I mean, when you look at plant-based meat, in the end, you what we're all doing is that we're looking at existing technologies that are being used in the food industry and using them in such a way as to create plant-based meat. Now, what they're actually doing in the cell-based industry is that they're looking at what's being done in the pharma industry, what's being done to create, you know, Tissues, for instance, tissue engineering. 
and they're actually using those techniques to create their products. So I would say the starting point, technologically speaking, is very different. It's going to be fascinating to see how these products develop, how much they're going to cost. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I hope that you get to try some soon. My sincere thanks to Martin Habfast, co-founder of Umiami, for his time and open conversation. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please connect by commenting and subscribing. I'm Claire Nazir, and you've been listening to Cultivating Conversations. For more on what Chaseman Global are doing in the exciting world of ag tech, head to their website, chasemanglobal.com. Thank you.